All right. Welcome back to the School of Why podcast. Really glad to have everybody back on the show. Uh, today, we've got a really special guest, and uh, his name is Henry Kaminsky, Jr. Uh, really happy to have you on the show, Henry. Frankie, thanks for having me, man. What a pleasure it was to have you on my show not too long ago. Yeah, that was really awesome. I love uh, getting to run it with people that have similar uh, experiences and just mindsets around how, how to maneuver a lot of the things that are happening in this world. And, um, you know, Henry is actually, you've done a lot of stuff, Henry. I noticed that you've been, uh, on a couple like big awards. Uh, tell me about those awards. It looks like you're like holding record label awards. Are you like a platinum artist? Is that what that is? <laughs> I wish I'd have a lot more money in the bank. <laughs> right. Yeah. I saw that. I was like, man, okay, wait, I thought he was in like kind of branding and like, you know, rethinking all that but he's got two huge albums and i noticed that i i wanted to ask you that on your podcast there in the background there there those are awesome what is thank that? you i appreciate that so those are two comic club awards and those are awarded to you every time um you have a product offering that you're selling online that hits a million dollars in revenue and so i was able to do that twice through the software that I've used in the past called ClickFunnels. Uh, but I've been in business for 15 years. So, you know, I can only imagine how many plaques would be on the wall if I would, if I started when I, when I, when I first began the business, God knows how many I, I, I would need like a truck to, yeah. to, to, right. But it was, um, it's been a great accomplishment, um, to, to show other designers out there that, um, this is, this is, especially if you're a, a graphic designer or a solopreneur in this creative space, a lot of people get stuck with, well, you know, I barely make six figures a year or, or, um, I'm happy to hit a quarter of a million a year in revenue. I'm like, no, man, there's a lot more that you can do with this space and the, the, the opportunity and the, the, the ceiling is endless. So it's, 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 I'm blessed. I'm truly blessed and grateful to, uh, have gone through that journey to achieve those, those types of awards. Yeah, of course. I love it. So you, you, you're very passionate about design. I, I, I like to think of myself as a very visual person as well. Like I've, I've always been fascinated with that. I was very attracted to that whole space, uh, 15 years ago myself and have been around that type of business. But what was it about design specifically? You know, there's so many other, you know, avenues of, of communication, video, things like that. What was it about design that got you so passionate about? It? Is that just something that's always been there or, or it came later in life? Not at all. I was, I got out of college right when nine 11 hit, nobody was really hiring. Um, I, I, I asked my uncle who had some influence in Northern New Jersey to see if he can, you know, shuffle my resume around to get me a job somewhere. I'll take anything at that point. Um, cause I was, I was job hunting for six plus months, trying to land something after I graduated and nothing was, nothing was happening. So I got a job at a local hospital in Northern New Jersey and, uh, started to work my way up the ranks there, got my master's degree and started applying for all these management positions. And I finally landed an assistant director position at the sudden infant death syndrome center of New Jersey, which was housed inside wow. of Hackensack Meridian health uh, hospital, uh, uh, you know, medical center. And so started working there and I was responsible for creating fundraising events for the families in New Jersey that lost the baby to SIDS. And for those folks that don't know what SIDS is, it's when your baby under the age of one years old dies unexpectedly with no cause. So yeah. it was, it, it, it was a very, it's a very traumatic experience. Um, 
And I just felt for these families. So I did what I could to raise funds for the, for the uh, department and then be able to take those funds and create supportive events for all the families in New Jersey four times a year. So as I'm raising money, I, so I get this position and uh, I go out looking for sponsorships and I finally land one of the bigger sponsorships I've ever landed was Z100, which is a huge radio station in New York City. And uh, they offered to help promote and sponsor the, the event. And so I knew I needed, you know, marketing material to really make this event what it, what it, what it could be. And, and so my buddy at the time, my best friend to this day, uh, was a graphic designer and he was in the nightclub industry as a club promoter. We all had, you know, our, 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 we were all kind of those, those types of guys in mm -hmm. our early twenties. And, uh, so he helped me find a venue and I'm sitting next to him as he's helping me design this, this fundraiser flyer. And I'm enamored by graphic design. I didn't even know what it was, Frankie, to be honest with you. I yeah. was like, Oh, this is what, this is what, graphic design is. Yeah. And I just got bit by the bug. And mm -hmm. I went back, we did the, we did the event. It was a success. I convinced my boss to get me to Photoshop file, uh, the Photoshop program. And I downloaded it on the hospital laptop and I just went to town and it was, it was 22 hour days, <laughs> literally teaching wow. myself how to design and eventually just fast forward. And and sometimes that's the best way to do it. You know, it's funny. Yeah. I, I, I had a similar experience where in 2007, I walked into my younger brother went to school for graphic design mm. um, at the university here in Louisiana. And, and I had this crazy experience where like the whole time he was in college, I really didn't think he was doing anything. I thought he was just like an art student. I didn't know what that meant. I, and right. I sure as hell didn't think that anything they were teaching him was going to be very like profitable. Right. I'm right. just thinking, oh, he'll probably get a job making, you know, some money, whatever. I walk into this senior project and it's this huge auditorium filled with all the senior projects and every senior project is a company that they created all the packaging, all the design. And I, so I'm like, what in the world? This is like unbelievable. There's a bunch of art kids that don't realize like this is like incredibly valuable. And that was when I started Potenza. I actually, that, that was what inspired me. It was like, wait, I got to get, get into this business. I didn't really know anything about agencies or anything like that. So I kind of had a similar experience where that like white light, of yeah. like, whoa, what the heck? And I, I was never really a designer myself. He he did a lot of the design work, um, but I just loved it. And, you know, I, I can see it and I can I can do it enough to get me in trouble nowadays. But um, I try not to get do too much of that. But, you know, one of the things that uh, people that watch the show are familiar with and with my books is that I, I focus really uh, intensely on this concept of of passion, purpose and profits. You know, and I can tell that you're really passionate, obviously, about design, also about business. And um, what would you say, you know, and I, I like to get get into this conversation with all, sure. all of my uh, my people on the show is that what would you say that you believe your why or your life purpose is? You know, you've been doing this a, a little while. So there's a lot of new young entrepreneurs coming up, solopreneurs, like you said, that um, I know look up to you. But what do you like think of as your real life's purpose or why? In your life. Yeah, well, well, I'll share a story with you. And I think you'll, you'll, the audience will appreciate it. So uh, my parents, when they got married years and years and years ago, um, they tried for 16 years to start a family and they were unsuccessful. There was issues with my mother. There was issues with my father and they couldn't get pregnant. And as medicine got better, uh, they started to figure out 
different issues. And my father went for some tests. My mother went for some tests and they finally figured out what was going on. My mom went in for a minor surgery, comes out. They told them, you know what to do now? Give it a shot, see what happens. Nine months later, here I come. So right when I was, so here I am, the miracle baby. My mother always used to call me that as a kid and I never understood what that meant. And she would say, I tried 16 years to have him. And meanwhile, I'm thinking it took 16. I was six, seven years old. I thought, I thought women were pregnant for 16 years. <laughs> I didn't know any better. I was six, right? And so what happened was um, two years after my birth, um, my mom was doing her thing in the kitchen. I'm in the crib, uh, you know, trying to take a nap. And, and she comes into my room and I'm blue and unresponsive in the crib. Wow. So they rushed me to the hospital and what they found out, the story that I was told was I lost all the salt in my body. I guess I was a bit colicky as a kid and my mother was giving me a lot of water to try to calm me down. And what was happening was I was flushing all the nutrients out of my body and my, my body was starting to shut down. And sure enough, they got me back and here I am. And so as I learned more about this story growing up and started to put the pieces together. Now, my father, 79 years old, he still won't have a real conversation with me about this conversation, uh, about this issue, because he's, it, it was so traumatic to him. So it's hard to get the, the facts out of the, the whole story. I will say that, but that story from how I interpreted it made me realize that, listen, I'm on borrowed time. And I'm going to do what I can to make this world a better place and to do the best I can for my life and my family. And so as I grew up, unfortunately, my parents had to get a, a, a vicious divorce. Just they went in separate directions. And what happened was I realized I'm being raised by horrible communicators. Now, I love my parents dearly. God rest my mother's soul. And I love my father like no other human being on this planet. But they just were poor communicators. And they, well, my father kind of still is. I hate to say it, dad. If you ever hear this? <laughs> I, you know, so, so. And, and, and dad, is, that, I mean, is that Henry Kaminsky senior? Yeah. I, you know, I okay. would tell him that to his face too. So yeah, it's okay. not like I'm talking behind his back. I figured. Right. So, so what, what, what I learned was I've been put on this planet to help people become stronger communicators. And it's no coincidence how I landed. Cause I believe that everything you do in life is there is no coincidences and there's no, there's no surprise that I got into the branding and design space to help people become stronger communicators, not only visually, but you know, verbally and non-verbally. And so I'm always, uh, I'm every, uh, for that person out there that knows that they could be doing more, but they don't know how to do it. Or they're, they're, that person that owns a business that has their online presence running on two cylinders when they know they could be running on 12 cylinders, but they, they can't figure out why. Mm -hmm. Like you're my people because I went through that same struggle and I was able to figure it out. And now it's my duty, it's my life's work to help people figure it out for themselves. So I would say that would be the answer to your question.
Nice. Well, that's awesome. And I think that's really neat how you've, you've really looked back. I've always really encouraged people that I work with to look back to their childhood, look at, look at what it was that, that I was passionate about, or I even if, and if I wasn't passionate about, but I learned from as a child to bring that into adulthood, I think is a really huge part of how you tap into both that passion and purpose in life. You know, one thing that I, I focused on a little bit more than just purpose in my second book that comes out in stores on Tuesday breaking why was this idea of strategic emotions. So one of the things that if you've been doing this for a minute, you know that strategic emotions are a huge part of being successful as an entrepreneur. Um, it's just a, a huge part that and not everybody really talks about it. But the fact is, is that there's some there's some things that I've, I know I've had to learn. Um, do you have any life hacks is what I call them that um, you've used or continue to use to kind of harness strategic emotions uh, whether they're good emotions or bad emotions and to use them to your advantage in life or in work. Yeah, I do. I have a couple and I was, as you, as you, as you gave me the the questions in advance, I was, I was doing some thought, really deep thought today on how I would answer this. And, and I came up with a couple, couple things. One is I've been to many, 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 many therapists in my life mm -hmm. and I still continue to, 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 to get, therapy because I believe in it. I believe that we need that outlet uh, to help us yeah. become better people. And some people are, I don't need that stuff. You know, I'll figure it out. Well, listen, I've been able to, I've been able to get ahead years in life where some people are still stuck in 1998 <laughs> um, with therapy. And so one of the things that I, all my therapists have said to me over the years was, Henry, your level of self-awareness is incredible. And one of my therapists recently said, your relationship with mortality is one that I've never seen in anyone that I've ever met. Now, what would she mean by that? Yeah. So I, because of, because of my past history of, 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 you know, almost dying when I was two and, you know, almost not being here on this planet because my parents couldn't get pregnant. Like I really take mortality seriously. And especially as we are two years after COVID, right. Mm -hmm. Um, there was a lot of friends and family of ours that passed because of COVID. I'm sorry to hear that. It's okay. Thank you. But uh, there were, and then, and then I just noticed like uh, last year, I think there was 14 friends and family that passed away. Not all from COVID, but 14. Yeah. Right. That's and cool. I'm sitting here going to myself, I'll give you a quick example. Me and my buddies all go to a Rutgers game and our friend Sal, he's like the salt of the earth, this guy. He's always the happiest person in the room, always getting everybody laughing. So we go to the. We go to the Rutgers game. We're having a blast, barbecue, tailgate, and the whole nine. He's, 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 he's sound. Like there's no, there's no sign that he's ill. We go, we watch the whole game. We're having fun. Da, 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 da. The next morning I'm out walking my dog and I come back and my, my, my wife says, come inside. I says, what? She says, you got to call Nick back. One of our mutual friends one of my best friends. And he says, uh, I call him up and he's hysterical crying. He says, Sal died. I said, are you kidding me? 
He said he died in his sleep, massive heart attack. 44 years old, six, six-year-old son at home. I said, that could have been any one of us. Mm-hmm. Why Sal? So I have a huge, huge, I have a very comfortable relationship with mortality. And I realized that I could be, Frankie, I could get in my truck today to go pick up my son and get wallop head on by somebody texting mm-hmm. that's not paying attention. And that could be the end of me today. 100%. And so I live my life like that. Like this is it. Yeah. You, and yeah, I think it's important. I think some of the people that are the most successful in life that I've met, and I know it's been a huge thing for me, is, is this concept of living one day at a time. But in addition to living one day at a time, living it in a way that is cognizant of the idea that this this is all I have, whether it's because it's the last day or not. Either way, this day is all that I have. This moment's all that I have. And and that that type of presence, I think, goes a long way in, in, in not being in some of the negative emotions, you know, because a lot of times being out in front of, you know, future tripping can breed tons of fear and anxiety mm-hmm. and resentments against the past can breed a lot of anger, you know. So living in the moment allows me to not have as much fear or anger, which both mm-hmm. of those things being absent from the day yeah. makes me a much better leader and a much better person yeah. um, to fulfill whatever my purpose is for that day. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I, I do that and it, and that's why I'm, I don't really hold things back and, and it doesn't help that I'm, I'm born and raised in New Jersey and, and lived here my whole life because that's it. We, we have a, you know, we have a reputation of telling it how it is. And, and I think that comes from, that comes just from our, our environment. I mean, our, yeah. our, our my mother was very similar, very much like me when it comes to, uh, communication and, um, but she had a lot of demons and and that she never understood and never got mm-hmm. help with. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate, you know, I wish she got the help that she had, uh, she could have gotten when she was alive, but you know, that that's, that's in the past. And now I'm equipped with what I, how I don't want to communicate, right. Yeah. By learning okay. and going through that and, and, and seeing how they struggled. Um, you know, me and my wife are, 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 are very active in raising our four-year-old son. And, and, you know, we're very present and we're very cognizant of how we communicate with him. And, you know, I just, I just love seeing this little guy blossom because he's picking up positives of his mother, positives of, of, of me. And that combination is incredible to, to see in one little human being. So, um, I'm always, I'm always explaining to him, like, you know, the present is all we have, like you mentioned before. So yep. don't take it for granted. That's awesome. Well, I think that's a really good life hack that like, if nothing else, somebody can take away from, from this conversation is that like living one day at a time, living in the moment is, is something that is more than just like kind of a catchphrase or a good idea. Like when you really try to try to do that on a regular basis, things can change in your life. And and I like that you mentioned kids. I have a couple kids myself. I don't know if I mentioned this on the last podcast. Did I mention that six kids? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, kids are a, a, a huge why and, and purpose in and of themselves. I mean, just just that is enough to have a, a you know, pretty full life. But I, I, I think that for them, for most of us going beyond just making our purpose about our kids is important. 
but we definitely can learn so much. So uh, we had time for one more question. I was going to ask you was, um, you know, what did you feel like is a breaking point? Uh, what did it look like uh, where you had found maybe like you had had a bottom or something like that? And this can be in business or life that really helped you discover your why. Yeah. So I, if I'm going to get a little personal here. So, you know, it, 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 it can't, it, I had many breaking points. I had a hard time. I had a hard time answering this one, Frankie, because there were many, many breaking points in mm-hmm. my life. Right. So it's hard to narrow down as it why. should be. Yeah. Yeah. I think every, I think a lot of people are waiting for either some big moment or some big, whether it be a high moment or a low moment. And I, and most of us, it's, it's more of like multiple moments that kind of create our life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll take you back. Probably. I can't pinpoint. Maybe I was 24, 25 years old. I was out on my own. Finally got my job and I was really, really out on the scene trying to make my bones up here as a, as a, as a young professional in Northern New Jersey. And so I was networking in these forum groups and I was really getting out into the nightlife scene and meeting a lot of people. And, uh, I got hooked up with the wrong people Mm -hmm. and I started to get into substances that I shouldn't have been getting involved in. Mm-hmm. And there was this after party one night where I had a little too much of something and I was vomiting in the bathroom. I was laid out on the floor and that could have been the end of me. It could have been. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't. I got enough I got enough energy to get my ass home. And on my way home, it was like 4 35 o'clock in the morning. And one of my, one of my, not one of my girls, not girlfriends, but girls that was a real dear friend of mine at the time. Um, she saw the path I was going down and she kept trying to warn me like, Henry, if you keep going down this path, I can't be friends with you. Like, yeah, she would always threaten me with that stuff. And I, I would kind of brush her off, brush her off, but she always stuck with me. And to get me home safe that night, I called her on the phone and I drove all the way home. It was about a 25 minute drive back to my apartment. And I, she just kept talking to me to make sure that I got home safe. And one of the things that she said to me was this, Henry, you will die if you keep this up. Yeah. And she said, you have to do something about it. I can't drag you to therapy. I can't tell you what to do. You are the one that is going to have to take action. And she planted this seed. She said, Henry, you work at a hospital. She said, there's kids in the cancer ward that are dying to live another day. And here you are putting this crap in your body, killing yourself every day. So she said, just sit with that and see what comes up for you. And now I'm in tears, right? I've told this story a few times so I could get through it without getting emotional. But that really hit me. And so 
that Monday, I went down to the volunteer center at the hospital and I said, I want to become a volunteer. And they said, why? And I said, because I have a lot of free time on my hands and I think I could be doing better with it. So they made me go through this vigorous background. Uh, they really made sure that you were wanted to be a volunteer because they just don't want any Tom, Dick and Harry in the cancer ward, yeah, the, you know, the, the, the peds sure. oncology ward, right? So, so I finally get through that and I start putting myself through, I would call therapy. Mm -hmm. And every Saturday I would go for four hours and I would sit with these kids, play checkers. You know, those things when you're in the pediatric, you know, uh, when, when you go to the, the children's uh, doctor, they have those things that look that, that, that they're like little beads and they're on these little yeah, tracks, yeah, yeah. And, right? These little kids would just, we, I, we would just play with that for, for half an hour. And then I would move to another room and work with other kids. And I'll never forget it. This kid, he had to have been 12 or 13 years old, terminal. He wasn't making it. And he had all of these nodes connected to his head, all these wires coming out. And I remember walking into the room being very startled because it was the first time I've ever seen it. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, forget his name. I wish I remembered his name, but I, I sat down with him and all this kid wanted to do was play checkers with me. God, and I just, spent an hour playing checkers with him. And I walked out of there that day, got in my car and I went to start it and I couldn't start it. Not that it didn't start, but my hands were shaking so bad and I was crying so hard. I couldn't see out the damn windshield. And I said, I hope you get the picture now, Henry. Mm-hmm. This stuff that you're doing, it's no good. And from that point, that was it. Cold turkey. Never touched that crap again. And got on with my life. And it was funny. As I was getting my master's degree, I was, for whatever reason, there was a lot of cops in, in, in my classes. And so I had to tell this story. I, I chose to tell it in one of my classes. And one of the local municipalities over here where this cop was a cop said, I run the dare program in my, in my town. Would you want to help me facilitate it? And I said, sure. So I, I started going to these sixth and seventh grade mm -hmm. classes. And here's how I told the story. I would walk into the class and I would tell a story about this kid that I knew who had the world in the palm of his hands, but got involved with the wrong set of people and was going down the wrong path. Mm. And I would just lean into the story in detail. And then when I got done, I'd say, you want to meet this guy? And they were all like at the seat, they were all at the edge of their seats. They were like, yeah, bring this guy in. He sounds crazy. So I would walk out of the room, I'd count to 60 and I'd walk back in and I just let it settle. And then I would point at myself and say, that guy that I was telling you about 
it was me. Those kids will never forget that. Yeah, it's awesome. You know what's interesting is that without knowing it, you basically did some of the same, some of the most powerful components of what brings about recovery from uh, alcoholism and drug addiction. Um, I'm pretty open about the fact that I've been sober for almost 14 years now. And um, it's interesting. You, you actually kind of created your own program in a way by doing one of the most important pieces of, of how successful recovered drug addicts and alcoholics do it. And that is by helping others. Like they basically try to help others and practice the principles of, of their program in, you know, in all their affairs and by going in and unconditionally loving the children and, and then also carrying that message uh, and through the dare program, those are pieces that actually, whether you realize it or not, are, are a reason that you've been able to, to like stay away from it. Wow. I, I never know knew. if you've ever, I, yeah, it's, it's interesting. You just kind of naturally did some of the same principles that actually are the only reason that I, I have so much sobriety, you know, is because I, I kept that mindset and it sounds like you've kept that along the way. In fact, step 10 of breaking why in the school of why is to help others like carry the message, mentor people and just help just be build your life about helping other people get what they need and what they want and, and be of just gr the greatest service, um, especially in areas where you're not going to get paid. You're not going to, you know, get laid. You're not going to get <laughs> power or prestige. You know what I'm saying? There was no press releases or, you know, you weren't with that kid so that you could do a picture at the end to run for office, you know, all that kind of nonsense. And I think th that's where the most fulfilling emotions and really spirituality can come from it and a lot of the reasons we 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 love doing these compulsive things like drinking or drugging is because we're trying to like overcompensate for something else that's a little that's deeper that's missing and it's 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 these negative emotions and and this lack of spirituality but when we connect on the human level with people that are really in need and we are willing to unconditionally serve or love them um, something very powerful happens and, and it's really neat to hear your story. I appreciate you, your vulnerability with that. Um, you know, so is there anything else that you, uh, you know, wanted to share before we, uh, wrap it up? I, you've been an amazing guest today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Frank. And I appreciate you having me. I, I think, you know, the, the big takeaway here is don't take life for granted. You know, mm. we only get yeah. one shot at this and, the, the quicker you can understand your, your why, and it may not be uh, anything like mine, anything like Frankie's, mm -hmm. but to own that and yeah. to abide by that, I think we're all here for a reason. And the quicker we find out what that reason is, um, the more we can leverage it, the more we can do good with it, the more we can empower other people and influence other people in a positive way and, and leave an imprint on their life that, that will live forever. And I think that's what, that's, that's what I want you guys to really take home today is that's a really beautiful thing. Mm. And you have to, you have to cherish it. You have to guard it with all your might and yeah. you have to do good with it. And so you'll see your life is the universe is watching, right? Mm. The more effort you put into yourself, the universe is watching 
That's and it. it's gonna, it's gonna see that and it's gonna reward you in, in ways that you would never expect. So the more you give, the more you're going to get, the more you put in, the more you're going to get out. That's right. I love that. Well, that's awesome. And you know, it's so true and it's amazing because everything that you shared today is all things that I know to be true as well. And we don't even know each other that well. And one thing that I've learned is that when there's truth that lines up with people that I don't even know, that's when I know that's, that is pure truth. And it's really neat how that works, but each one of us has to experience it. And I think that's the, no matter what we learn, no matter how much we, we, we believe if we don't do something about it, right. And if we don't experience it ourselves, then it's just words. Right. But clearly, uh, Henry, you've experienced it. It's really awesome to hear it from you. I'm so glad that we got to have you on the show and, um, I'm looking forward to a lot of future conversations with you. So like, likewise, man, I, there's so much stuff that you and I could do together. It's, 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 it's going to be a great 2022. I'm excited for it. Thanks again for having me. Yeah, anytime. And thank you, everybody, for listening to the School of Why podcast. Uh, look forward to sharing everything with you next time. Thanks.